0: Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. Look at Acts chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. And this is such a powerful passage in so many different ways. I really, uh, as I studied through this over the last weeks, so blessed by how God uses his word in all of our lives and how he's constantly right on time, isn't that cool? God's always right on time. <laughs> Sometimes we wish he were a little bit earlier than what he what he is, right? Anybody say amen to that? I mean, I, I, how many times have have you gone through a circumstance in your life where you felt like, uh, Lord, hello, do you know what's going on? What's happening? And then all of a sudden, the Lord shows up in a way that we. Uh, perhaps weren't expecting, and, and we get to be blessed in that. We get to experience God in a, in a new and a fresh way. Here we have uh, a continuation of Paul's first missionary journey. And uh, it's a beautiful picture of this. And I want to focus in on, and we're going to look at it kind of as we get towards, we walk through this passage, towards the idea of the word of his Grace the message of the gospel, that which God has declared to man. And we are in desperate need, I believe, of the word of his grace, all of us. Not just unbelievers, not just an awakening, but I believe revival within the church. I I think one of the ways you can see that today really is a a sobering day. I, I don't know if you're aware of the fact that this is the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, 42 years of Roe v. Wade. And I want to tell you something that is a blight on our nation. It really is. Millions of children who have been aborted. Man, I, I praise God for his forgiveness. I praise God for his love. I praise God for his amazing grace. For those who have walked through that and experienced that, there is forgiveness, there is hope, there's love. But as a nation, for us to allow something like that, we are in desperate need of the word of his grace. And I think we all need to be in prayer about that. We all need to be asking the Lord, how would God use each and every one of us in the midst of the context that he's placed us within to be lights into this world, to reveal through our lives, through our attitudes, through our actions, his light, the light of life, All believers should be proclaiming the gospel of grace boldly in the power of the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody that would disagree with that? If so, there's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. No, it's okay. We'll pray for you, okay? There's a boldness here, folks. Do we really believe in the power of God? Do we really believe in the power of the gospel? Do we really believe in what God can do? Do we really believe that God, interjected into the midst of anything, is victorious? And are we living that? I want to encourage you, this passage to me is all about Paul and Barnabas and their group in the midst of opposition. Standing firm in the faith and speaking boldly about the message, the word Of the Lord's grace. And I would even take it a step further than that. Even more than Paul and Barnabas doing that. We're going to see this. It's the Lord himself testifying to the word of his grace. Do do we realize that when we have the opportunity to share Christ and share the gospel. and, and, And encourage one another in the midst of that. As well as those who perhaps have no hope and are without God in this world. They're still in darkness. Do we realize that it is literally Christ through us that empowers us in order to speak with boldness, with clarity, with freedom the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Starting out verse 1, in Iconium they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed both of Jews and of Greeks. I think we can see this, and we're going to see this throughout the rest of Acts really specifically with regard to the missionary journeys. Paul had three of them, and we're going to see that everywhere he went, there's a bit of a pattern that begins to take place, and we can learn from it. The first is that he would go to the synagogues, and we know in Romans that he says it's to the Jew first and then to the Greek. We understand that the gospel is given to the Jewish people. They're the ones that God used in order to form a nation, in order that the Messiah would come through, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So Paul would go to the synagogues, and I would ask you the question, why did he do that? I don't think it was simply because they were Jewish people there. There was clearly proselyte Gentiles there. There were Gentiles who were called God-fearers. I think he went there because it's where God was at work. Because the word of God was being proclaimed. Because there was a fabric, there was a foundation with regard to the gospel. They were able to go back and look at the Old Testament. And they were able to clarify what the Old Testament had prophesied in all the different ways concerning Christ, the Messiah. And he was able to take that message directly to them. I think we all ought to always be looking, where is God at work? And how are we joining him in what he's already doing? Where is there a hearing? Where is there a sensitivity? Where is God working in somebody's life where there's an openness to what God has to say? Well, not only did he speak at the synagogues and you would see that some would believe, others would not. There would usually come an opposition from unbelievers. Some from within the synagogue would not believe and they would oppose. Some within the city or the towns that they were within. What did they do? I always think this is an interesting one to me. Did they, did they run away? Oh, no, they didn't listen. <laughs> Out the door. <laughs> you know, they didn't have PC. There wasn't a whole lot of political correctness here. They would speak boldly. They would defend. there would be opposition initially. And what would they do? They, they would stay, and they would share what does God's word actually say? I think that's powerful. Fourthly, there would be a clear contrast between the believers and unbelievers, and, and at times and we can see this in this particular situation it would literally split the city apart. Oh man. You talk about bringing a dividing sword into things. The city would be split. People would be like, well, no, we don't believe that. Or absolutely, we believe that. When light comes to bear and begins to manifest that which is there, there is a clear delineation between those who believe and those who do not. And when the word of God is brought to bear into something, God's word, which is light, which is life, which is a sword, begins to clearly bring forth that which is already there. And these cities would go through this turmoil. People would be in turmoil about this. Some would be in opposition. Some would believe. And you'd see this friction taking place. Well, then what would happen? (laughs) Well, A lot of times there was persecution, and it came in varying levels. Many times it was persecution that was very dangerous. And so God would lead the apostles, God would lead those who were the bearers of the good news, who were the targets of that persecution, to then move on. And they would move on to new fields that God raised up for them, and they didn't turn around and say, let's go back to Antioch. Let's go back to where we are liked, where we're loved. They would continue to move on, knowing that they were going to face the very same thing in the next city, the new field that God placed them within, trusting God the entire time. Wow. He states here that they spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed. Well, what kind of a manner did they speak in so that these people believed? Well, I mean, when we talk about speaking, we talk about preaching the gospel, we talk about sharing the word of God. What, what are we talking about? Was this a, a personality performance driven thing? I don't think so. I'm not saying they weren't good at what they do. They obviously were. Later on in this passage, we're going to see that they were called God's One of them, the gods of of communication, because they were so good at it. Amen. Praise God. But fundamentally, what is the manner in which they spoke in order that God used what they said to bring many to himself? Well, I think you can see this in the pattern that we've already looked at. They They would speak to the Old Testament passages prophesying that Jesus is the Messiah. They'd go back. And they would quote from the Old Testament. They said, look at what our forefathers prophesied concerning the Messiah. These things have been fulfilled. They would go back and they would talk about all the different factors brought to bear into completion with regard to the Messiah. They would speak to the deeds of Christ. The things that the Lord did were not done under some kind of a, a secret mode. They were done out in the open. And people knew they had heard about Jesus. And they would speak to the good deeds that he had done. They would speak to the crowds. They would speak to the healings. They would speak to all the different. They were simply showing forth that, who, that which God is in Christ. And all the things that he had done. How he had cared for the poor. And all the hurting. How he had cast out demons. They would speak to the resurrection. The Lord Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. And it ties in with what they would also speak to, which is their own personal experiences, their own testimonies. Paul himself could say, I met with the Lord on the road to Damascus. And he would let them know, you all know that I was actually against these people. I persecuted them. But the Lord had confronted him. And he met with him. So they would speak to the resurrection. It was an undeniable historical fact that many could give witness to and testify concerning. But I think perhaps even more important than all of that, which all of that's important, they spoke in the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit. They didn't just have a story to tell. They had a divine story to tell. They didn't just have a bunch of facts to give. They had the story of what God has done. And so they were inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit himself who was literally testifying through them concerning the message of the gospel of grace. The evangelization of people is not just something that we have a checkbox to fulfill. Well, just give out these verses and, and then throw it at them and let's see what happens. Or here's my testimony and let's just throw it at them and and see what happens. It is an inspiration of the Holy Spirit within us and through us. There's a kindness and a gentleness and a love that comes from God himself for the individual as God leads us to share what it is that he has placed on our hearts and perhaps even what our experiences have been. What the word of God actually has to say. All of this was done under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so they may have had certain forms, they may have had certain patterns, but they weren't dependent upon the form or the pattern. They were dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the Holy Spirit in and through them to lead them even what to say. And God through them was testifying. I wonder sometimes when we look around at our nation and we look at all the different things going on, are we being inspired, are we being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God as we share the truth of the Word of God, who Christ is, the necessity of salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone? Are we being inspired by the Holy Spirit? Or has it just become a work to us? It's a checklist to make ourselves feel better. Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Are we yielding ourselves to the Lord so that the Lord through us is being seen so that what we're saying and how we live match? And then people begin to recognize this isn't a message from man. This is a message from God. Verse 2, he says, the Jews who disbelieved. Disbelieved. That's kind of a funny word. We don't use that too often, do we? If I said that, I'm glad it's written in the word of God because if I said it too many times, I'm thinking, is that the right way of saying that? What he's saying is those who were not willing to be persuaded. When we talk about belief, we're talking about the willingness to be persuaded or not. They refuse to be persuaded at the message of the gospel of grace. They refuse to be persuaded that Jesus Christ is necessary And the sacrifice that he made for them is necessary for their salvation. It says the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. The word stirred up means to wake up from sleep, to excite. (laughs) That kind of makes me laugh in some ways. I mean, it's a pretty serious situation. But you run into people who don't care at all about what they would say is religion. They're totally comfortably numb in the midst of their lives. They got food, they got TV, they got their home, they got their favorite car, and they wash it every week, whatever. I'm not saying washing cars is bad, okay? But you understand what I'm saying. People are comfortable in their their patterns of life, and all of a sudden the gospel comes in, and there's an uncomfortable moment. And so all of a sudden they wake up, and that which they didn't really care about at all suddenly becomes this, I don't agree with that. Who are you to tell me how to live my life? (laughs) And And they wake up. They get absolutely excited in not necessarily a good way. Embittered means to put one in a bad mood against another. To put one in a bad mood against another. Now, I know that you all know that I'm a Dallas fan. And I want you to know personally from me That that moment where they called Des Bryant's catch, not a catch. Took Jonathan and I several hours to recuperate from that. It's a moment I will never forget the rest of my life. We jumped around and we high-fived one another when we saw the catch, as did all Dallas fans, no matter where they were in the world. And the idea that that was not a catch is nonsense. But some of you, some of you have tried to embitter people against me. I was uh, speaking at the Angel Tree banquet. And Fred and Paula Gibson gave this to me. There you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just want you to know that that's what that word means. (laughs) I've got another picture, and I think we've got it, don't we? I don't know if David Hune's in here or not. Do you know what that is? Yeah, that's a cheese tie. So thankfully, my staff loves me and they were watching over me and I was studying. So they protected my study time because there would have been an embittered moment. (laughs) He came by just to let me know that uh, he was a fan, you know. (laughs) Get it? In a more serious manner than that. People who stir things up when it comes to the gospel. People who suddenly come alongside of other people in order to pull them in to an argument when we talk about the gospel. That's what was happening. You know, what's interesting to me is that the gospel doesn't allow for um, gray area. Not gray area. It's an either or. It really is. You either believe or you don't. You're either going to receive or you're not. It's a sword that cuts right through. And there's a question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ and the salvation that he offers freely is necessary for you or don't you? The whole town was going through this. Verse 3 says, Therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. (laughs) I'm not trying to sound like an owl here, but who's the who? Do you catch this? Who's the who? It's the Lord. They spent a long time there. They decided to stay under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in order to speak boldly about the testimony of the Lord, the testimony of His grace. And it's the Lord Himself through them who was testifying to the word of His grace. And He was granting, He was giving to them That signs and wonders would be done by their hands. Now, we aren't told exactly what those signs and wonders are. But if we look at the pattern, there were healings taking place. There were people that were probably possessed by demons and they were being cast out. God was doing miracles through them. Why was he doing those miracles? To lift up Paul and Barnabas so Paul and Barnabas could look around and say, Look at us. He was doing those miracles so that people would take note and say, what a great God. The Lord was testifying to the word of his grace. The Lord was the one standing with them in the midst of this. And that's powerful. Do we somehow think that we're alone in these things? God is with us. God will lead us. God will direct us. God will even give us what it is that he wants us to say. He will empower us. And as we're willing vessels available to him, through him, through his power, he will take care of the impact, the results. They spoke boldly. They spent a long time. And the Lord was with them, testifying through them concerning the message of of His grace. Grace is simply the free expression of God to us, that which nobody could cause Him to ever do. Nobody could twist His arm. And I want you to understand something. I've said it a couple times this week, and it hits me afresh every time I say it. Grace is not just that God made the decision to do something for us that we didn't deserve. That is a part of grace. But understand the attitude behind it. Grace is always linked with joy with joy god has done for us something that we don't deserve and something that he did not have to do because he loves us that's powerful so the lord is testifying to the word of his grace verse 4 the people of the city are divided some sided with the jews and some with the apostles now let me let me ask you something why does he say that because it was was it just the jews I would suggest to you, why does he say the the word of his grace? I would say that he's contrasting the word of grace versus the word of law. The word of works versus our need of Christ and Christ alone. What I can do for God, my religion, versus what Christ has done for me, grace. Where do we stand Are we willing to receive what God has done for us? And are we willing to walk in that? Or are we going to stand on the side that says, this is what we can do for God? Look at us. We're good enough. There's a division. When an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities. Laconia, Lystra, and Derby, and the surrounding region, and there they continue to preach the gospel. <laughs> there's signs and wonders, there's a preaching of the gospel of grace. The Lord Himself testifies amongst them concerning his word of grace, the cities divided, and now they've got to stamp them out. They want to try to kill them. Stoning is code word for kill. We're not talking about just having rocks thrown at you. We're talking about being killed. They find out about it. They recognize what's going on and they move on. The Lord leads them on to these other cities in the surrounding regions. What did they do? Did they they flee out of worry or doubt? Did they plan to go back to Antioch? No, no. They continued to follow the Lord. They continued to trust him. They continue to walk with them. And in the midst of the surrounding regions and the cities that the Lord leads them to, what do they continue to do? They continue to faithfully proclaim the gospel, the good news of God's grace. I think that's amazing. Are, Are we doing that? When people come against us, when people are divided, and somehow they don't believe in the gospel... And I, I could go into a lot of different arenas about this because we're seeing an anti-Christian moment within this country like never perhaps before. Do, do we flee or do we stand firm? Do we trust the Lord? Do we trust that God in us will provide all that is necessary for us in the midst of the circumstances that he's allowed within our lives to proclaim with boldness, with kindness, with love, the gospel of God's grace. I'm amazed by the believers in Myanmar. I think of Hannah and Pony, our translators that were there. I think of the, the people that we came into contact with, even, even the children and what they've gone through in being persecuted many of them had to flee from their homes from their villages they had to form a new village called and they named it Canaan because they were under persecution and yet you look at their lives you look at the joy you look at their walk with the lord and the relationship you watch how they worship the uh, worship the creator and it's amazing it's a blessing They continue to stand firm no matter what the circumstance. And with clarity, with freedom of speech, they proclaim with boldness the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do they need to be encouraged? Of course. Do they need the word of God? And do they need to be reminded of all the different things that God is able to do in their lives? Of course. But in the midst of it, they continue to follow God. And it's profound to watch. It's an honor to be a part and see and be ministered to by them. How do we speak? What are we to expect? What should we be speaking about? God supports the proclamation of the word of his grace. Let me give you a couple thoughts on this. When we think about being believers and in the midst of our context under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, trusting him, walking with him, how is it that we walk? How is it that we speak? And what are we speaking about? Well, the first thing is that we speak through the Holy Spirit and the enabling power that he gives. Grab your Bibles. Let's look at a few things real quick. Matthew chapter 10, verses 19 through 20. Matthew ten, nineteen through 20. The Lord himself said this. When they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. And then he says this. It is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Wow. Did you catch that? So what's the primary thing for believers? Believers. I would suggest it's to know Christ. I would suggest it's to know the Lord so well that in the midst of any circumstance that we're carefully listening to him and that we're saying yes to him so that in the midst of whatever it is that he's allowed us to be in, that we are quick to say yes to him and that we know exactly what the Spirit of God is leading us to say. Secondly, through the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is produced in us. What, what does it look like when believers walk and they walk in boldness and, and, and God is leading us even in what we say? I would suggest that there's love wrapped all over it. Right, John chapter 13, verses 35. He says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And where does that love come from? Do we wake up in the morning and say, I know that I'm commanded to love God, so by George, I'm going to do this. No, it's, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what God does in and through our lives. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Is love. He doesn't say the fruit of Eric. He doesn't say the fruit, and you can put your name in there. He says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. And all the different characteristics of love. It comes from God. So again, it's a relationship with the Lord. It's a listening carefully, a walking with Him, a being changed by Him, being transformed, and then Christ through us being revealed, always wrapped in His love. He gives us strength. We have strength. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul writes this. He says, the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. That's a powerful verse, isn't it? In the midst of life and in the midst of all the the things that take place, when we stand for the message of the gospel of grace, we know that the Lord is the one who will strengthen us and protect us from the evil one. Or as Paul puts it to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.17, he says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. (laughs) That's a great verse, isn't it? The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Let me ask you something. If the Lord's standing with us and strengthening us, who can stand against us? I would suggest nobody, not one, because the Lord's victorious in everything that he does. So again, the question is, in our relationship with him, are we walking with him? Are we trusting him? Are we depending upon him? He gives us the grace that is necessary. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom. Yeah, just wait on that one for a second, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, do we lack wisdom? Folks, if we don't think we lack wisdom, we're in a lot of trouble. I mean, really, the, the truth is we lack wisdom. The question is, do we recognize that? If any of you lacks wisdom. Let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. By whom? By God. By God. I think it's essential when we talk about what it means to follow God, what it means to walk with God that we understand that God is the one who leads us. God's the one who empowers us. God's the one who even gives us the words to say right in the moment. And the question is, are we walking with him depending upon his strength, depending upon his wisdom, and and revealing through our lives his love because of the work that God is doing in and through us? When we speak the word of God, there is opposition. Opposition. But understand that that opposition ultimately is not against us. Rather, it is against the Lord himself. John chapter 15, 20, the Lord says this. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. This is all about the Lord. It's not about us. We have the opportunity and the privilege of of experiencing God in the midst of it all it's what the Lord is able to do in and through our lives. What are we to speak? What are we to say? The Lord gives us wisdom in it, but fundamentally, fundamentally, I would suggest it's the gospel of God's grace. It's the word of his grace. It's not the word of law. It's not about performance or works. It's not about what we can do for God. Rather, it is what God has done for us and the experiencing of God in the midst of our lives in everything. It's about what God wants to do in and through us. It's about how God is transforming us and conforming us to his image. It's about the hope, the assurance that we have in Christ forever. It's about Him. It's about His life. And it's about our relationship and walk with Him. John 1.12 says, As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. When, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we receive from Him the gift that He offers to us, and we then become His children, how do we walk? What are we saying? Are we still trusting the Lord? Are we walking by faith? Are we, are we being transformed? Is God's love being seen in and through us? Is there boldness wrapped in love? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you know it well, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may what? May boast be inflated in their minds to think that there's something other than what they really are. (laughs) It's all about the word of his grace. It's all about the gospel, the good news of God's grace. Let me ask you something this morning. Are we walking in boldness? Are we walking in full confidence, not in ourselves, not in what we can do for God, but rather in God himself? And is God through us revealing Himself into this world in such a way that when people watch our lives, they examine our attitudes, they see the activity of our lives, they recognize that there's a difference. And when they come to us and they ask us, What's the difference? What's this hope that you have? that we're able to give an account, we're able to share with them. It's not about us. It's about Christ, praise God. What are we fearful of? What are we worried about? How does God want to use us individually? How does the Lord want to use us as the body of Christ? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's take a moment before him. Would you close your eyes and just bow your heads? Friend, if you're here this morning and you do not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, are you willing to be persuaded that the salvation that Jesus offers to you freely, abundantly, what he has done for each and every one of us, but for you specifically in this sense, are you willing to be persuaded that you're in need of him And believe in him, receive him so that you might be saved. If you've never done that, I want to encourage you this morning, make that right. Come before the Lord who loves you far more than what we could ever express. And believe him. Become a child of the King. Not because of works, not because of anything you could do, but because of what Christ has already accomplished and now offers to you. Believers, are we walking in strength? Are we walking in boldness of speech? Are our lives absolutely yielded to Christ in everything? Is he at work within us, transforming us? conforming us to his image? Through us is his love being revealed, his life being reflected. Are we glorifying the king in all that we do and all that we say? Would you stand with me for a moment and just take Moment. If you need to come forward and you need to kneel at the front and you need to pray, I want to encourage you to do that. If you need to talk with somebody, perhaps you've never received Christ and you need to pray with somebody, you need to get that right. Would you come forward? Would you talk to somebody and ask them to pray for you, pray with you? Are you willing to receive Christ this morning? Believers are our lives fully his in everything. Do we recognize that God is with us, will strengthen us, will lead us, will guide us, will give us his wisdom, and are we trusting him in the midst of it? Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours.